The following sermon is by James Solerick, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor James Solerick. That's why we're here this morning, because Jesus conquered the grave, uh, death was arrested, we can have a new life through his death, through his resurrection, and that's why we're here uh, this morning. You know, in the Old Testament, in the people of Israel, uh, they had the Sabbath day, where they always met on Saturdays, and that was kind of their religious come-together-as-a-group-meet-together time, but then when Jesus rose on the first day of the week, then the church was formed, and the church started meeting on the first day of every week, primarily to celebrate the resurrection. And though we don't always talk about it every time we were here or sing about it every time, that's why we're really here. We're celebrating, we're remembering the resurrection, and that's why we have a faith uh, that we can count on. Uh, but that has nothing to do with what I was going to talk about. So, uh, except it's the foundation for everything that, that we do here. Um, if you want, you can open your Bibles or your phones to Psalm 139. We are going to get there uh, in a few minutes, but you can be there, and we'll, we'll read some of that here in a few minutes. I uh, wanted to update you on one thing. This past week, we had our, our See You at the Poll student prayer event, and schools all over the nation, uh, even all over the world, students were meeting before school to pray. And uh, I got to be uh, with a lot of our middle, middle school students at Edwardsburg Middle School, and it was great. I've, I've been at the high school for a lot of years, went down to the middle school this year, and sorry high school students, but I think I like the middle school better because they just were not afraid to pray out loud. It was great. Uh, you know, Pam Meckling was there with us, and it was a really cool event. And then kind of went about our day, and around lunchtime I get a call, and I see that it's the school on my cell phone. Now, if you're a parent, usually when the school calls, it's not good news. It means one of two things. Either your kid puked or they're in the principal's office, right? I mean, that's the only options there are. And so I answer it, and it gets even worse because they say, hello, this is the principal. So it's not even the teacher. It's like top of the line here. So I, and immediately, sorry, kids, my own kids. I was like, oh, great. What did my kids do, you know? And then she proceeds to say, I just want to let you know that I've gotten calls from three parents today. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really bad, <laughs> three parents. But then it turned a corner and got positive after that. She said, I got a call from three parents today thanking me, the principal, that we had this prayer event before school today. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And she said, and also as principal, there has been a completely different spirit in the school today. And she said, I think it may have something to do with the prayer that happened this morning. So that was really cool. I just wanted to report that, you know, our students were there praying and students from other churches all over the area were praying and it was really cool uh, just to see God working uh, before school. So thank you for praying for that, for showing up kids, parents, getting your kids there early. I thought that was really cool. wanted to share that with you. But I want to kind of start today with a question. The question for you is this, what subject are you an expert on? Like what is your area of expertise. Or if you were to ask somebody else, like, what is something that I really know a lot about? You know, if you're a teacher, maybe it's a subject that you know a lot about that you teach. Or you're an accountant or an engineer or construction worker, or you're an expert at whatever. You know, all of us have one thing that we is kind of our thing. Um, and I don't know why I thought about this as I was thinking about this and thought about my grandparents. Now, um, 
my both my parents grew up in Ohio. That's where this whole Ohio State thing comes from. I'm sorry, it just naturally happened to me. I just I didn't even make a choice. I was just born there or live there. And so my parents and their parents were all from Ohio. So I was thinking about subjects that my family throughout history has been an expert on. And I'm kind of ashamed to say that my grandma, my mom's mom, is an expert on everything Cleveland Indians baseball. Like that's for as long as I can remember, every day, whether it's afternoon or evening, she's always watching every Cleveland Indians baseball game. And even this, about a year or so, she moved down to Kentucky to live with her son, my uncle. Part of the deal was, could he upgrade his cable package to get the MLB package so she could still watch her Cleveland Indians game? And once that could happen, she's like, all right, I'm coming. You know, never mind that you need to take care of me, but, you know, Cleveland Indians. And then we go to the other side of the family to my dad's dad, and they are experts in all things Cincinnati Reds baseball. Now, that's a little harder <laughs> because we've just, I'm a Reds fan, we've just been terrible forever. So, but sure enough, uh, you know, and so much so that they even sometimes arrange their schedule, like when they're going to walk the dog, when they're going to go to their doctor's appointments, when they're going to go out. Well, let me check the red schedule and see, you know. And uh, so I don't know why I thought of that, but some of us are experts in things that are kind of trivial and fun. Some of you, maybe you're an expert doctor or an expert surgeon or a professor or a teacher or something that, that maybe matters a little bit more. Um, it also got me to think, what would it take to actually become an expert on something? So I Googled, you know, where all the good information is, and I said, what would it take to become an expert on a subject? Actually, the question I asked was, how many books would you have to read to become an expert on a subject? And they said, if you went into a Barnes & Noble a bookstore, and it was an important subject, like maybe food or nutrition or exercise or travel, there would probably be about 100 books on that subject that was an important well-known subject so they said in order to know everything you know humanly speaking about a subject you'd have to read a hundred books now the good news is they said if you just read three of those books you would know more than the average person pretty good so their their uh, conclusion was that if you were able to read 50 books on one subject people would consider you an expert so that was kind of interesting so why are, we, why are we talking about this? Like what subject are you an expert on or my grandparents or how do you become an expert on something? Because we're in the middle, we're at about week four of a series that's all about God and about how God is different than us and how that's a good thing. And today we're going to talk about God and we're going to say this, we're going to say he is the God who knows. And here's the truth about God is that God is an expert on every subject, Okay. And when we get halfway through the message, when we get to Psalm 139, we're going to focus on just one thing or one area that God is an expert on. But I want to start with this, that as hard as we work to accumulate knowledge and the things we learn and the things we forget, that God is an expert on every subject. And we'll get to God is an expert on one thing that we're going to focus on. So here's the big word that if you go to Bible college or theologians throw this word around for that God knows everything or God is all-knowing it's this. God is omniscient, okay? Now, if you have a bulletin with you, there's an outline on the back. If you want, you can fill in the blanks there, or if you want a digital copy, if you go to the YouVersion Bible app, you open that up, you go to events, and uh, our church will show up, and all these notes are, are written in there. So if you're not a fill-in-the-blank person, um, it's all in there if you want to follow along. So, but God is omniscient, or God's omniscience. Omni meaning all, science meaning knowledge. So God is all-knowing. So what does this mean? that God is all-knowing. The first thing it means is this, is God knows everything perfectly and absolutely. God knows everything perfectly 
and absolutely. So how much does God know everything? Is his, is his knowledge accurate? Is it perfect? Yes. And is it absolute? Yes. So let's look at a couple of verses that talks about God knowing everything perfectly and absolutely. Psalm 147, verses 4 and 5. Pastor Dan had us read these verses in our small group a couple weeks ago. It says this. It says, God determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. So this is just an example of one of the many things that God knows. He knows the number of the stars and not just how many there are, but he knows their names. So I Googled as well this week. There are one billion trillion stars as far as we can tell. Now, I don't even know how many zeros are on that number. Maybe you can, as a math teacher, you can tell me later. But that we're, basically, we're cre- almost like creating numbers that hadn't existed before to try to put a number to the number of stars that, as far as we can tell, we think are out there. And God knows how many there are, the exact number, and he has a name for all of them. That's pretty crazy. You ever get your kids' names mixed up? I have six kids, and sometimes I'm like, Kai, whoever you are, right? You know, we can remember six kids' names, okay? But it goes to the end of the verse and says his understanding, his wisdom, his knowledge is beyond measure. God knows everything. Another verse, Hebrews 4.13, says, No creature is hidden from God's sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So this verse says God just doesn't know everything about the universe and outer space and the solar systems he actually knows all about us as well, his creation, his people. And it's almost as if we're naked and exposed. He sees our insides. And we're not talking about, you know, our heart and our lungs and our organs, but we're talking about our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings. God knows everything about us. And and I would argue that he knows us better than we know ourselves. And the last verse here about God knowing everything, Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that not yet done, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. God says, I know the end, that's the future. I know the beginning, that's the past. Ancient times, that's the past. Things not yet done, that's the future. So God knows the past, he knows the present, and he knows the future. God knows everything perfectly and absolutely. But what else does it mean that God is omniscient? God's knowledge is his by nature. God's knowledge is his by nature. He is the source of all knowledge. He's the origin of all knowledge. And he did this without the effort of learning. He didn't have to go to school. He did in the form of Jesus. But God, throughout all eternity, he didn't have to go to school. He didn't have to learn anything. Okay? Listen to what it says here uh, in, in Romans 11 about God's nature of knowledge and how he didn't have anyone had to give him advice or counsel or teaching. Here's what it says in Romans 11:33 and 34. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Like who's given God advice? Who's taught him everything? Like his wisdom, his knowledge, we can't understand it and no one has been God's teacher. He's the source of all knowledge. He didn't have to learn it, and he doesn't forget it either. How many of you have forgot a lot of things that you used to know, right? Remember that? Um, I I forgot one thing kind of important this week, uh, one of my kids at school. Um, And I apologize if I know not everybody has kids and you don't have kids at home right now, and I apologize to my own kids. After the last time I preached, one of my kids said, wow, when we grow up and leave the home, dad's not going to have any stories to tell when he (laughs) preaches, you know. So uh, I just, it's not really an apology. I'm just telling him to talk about my kids a lot today. So, um, 
so we have our older kids come home an hour earlier than the younger kids. So Friday is my day off, and all right, we're gonna I'm gonna do a good job. I'm gonna be there with my kids, play a game with them, and so I'm playing a game with the three older kids, and it's going really well. And the reason I know it's going really well is because I'm winning. So um, I don't have a lot of compassion when I'm playing games, and it's going really well. And, and in the back of my mind, I know at a certain time I'm supposed to quit the game and go pick up Shannon from the school, and uh, I just because I'm really close to winning, I think I just forgot it. And all of a sudden, you know, I hit the, the button on my phone, just what time is it, and it's 25 minutes later than I was supposed to leave. And I'm like, oh, no. So I call the school. I'm like, uh, like, what happens? Do you put her on the button? Like, nope, she's sitting here in the office. I'm like, all right, I'll be right there. You know, so I get there, and she's looking at me like, Dad. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm terrible, you know. Um, so we forget things. And a lot of times, we, we're, it's things that we used to know. Like, I'll look at my older kids' math homework now, and, and I'm like, I, I know that I used to know how to do that. But I hope they don't ask me how to do that because I do not remember, right? So, so we've learned a lot, but if we don't use it or teach it or practice it, we forget it. But God's not like that. God's knowledge is his by nature. It's part of who he is. He didn't learn it. He can't forget it. So God knows everything perfectly and absolutely. God's knowledge is his by nature. And God's knowledge is is beyond our comprehension. God's knowledge is beyond our comprehension. Listen to these verses from Isaiah 55. God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So think about this. It's not just that God knows more than we do. He knows differently than we do. It's not just that he knows more facts or more data, but just the kind of knowledge he has is just completely different. His thoughts, his ways are, are different than ours. As the heavens are higher than the earth, like that's, we can't really measure that distance. That's how different God's knowledge is than ours. Now we, uh, if you have a toddler or you can remember back to when your kids were a toddler, like they say some really funny things, right? And they asked some great questions. We've uh, had our three-year-old niece with us for about a week, and we've been watching her. By we, I mean my wife and daughters have been watching her more than me. Uh, but she is hilarious. A couple things she said. The other day, she, her arm was hurting her, and she said, I have a headache in my arm. I mean, that makes sense. Any pain is a headache. You just change where it is, you know. Uh, and then this morning, uh, Ashling told me that... Uh, she was upstairs, I was downstairs, and, she, and she's like, Eden, you want to go downstairs to James? She's like, no, I don't want to go down there. He smells funny. <laughs> so I apologize to all of you that have been wanting to tell me for so long that I have an odor about me. So, and my wife agreed. So, uh, we're, we're good. So, uh, but when your three-year-old asks, asks you a question, like, you may know all the facts about how to answer that question, but, but you can't give them all the facts because they just can't wrap their mind around it. At some point, your kid, maybe at three or four or five or six, is going to ask you the best question of all, right? Where do babies come from, right? I mean, and, and I'm all about talking to your kids about this and talking to your kids about this earlier than you think you should and being a little uncomfortable in those conversations. But if a three-year-old asks you that, like, even if you were able to give them all the facts of where babies come from, they would have no category for it, right? And it'd be kind of funny, you know? Um, but that's a similar, just a glimpse of how it is with God. We are this little three-year-old that just understand a little bit, and he understands everything and the big picture, 
and, and he kind of gives it to us, the knowledge, wisdom we need as we can handle it, okay? Because his knowledge is beyond our comprehension. It's not just that he knows more than we do, but he knows differently than we do. So that's kind of this description of what it means that God is omniscient. He knows everything perfectly and absolutely. This knowledge is his by nature, and this knowledge is beyond our comprehension. All right, now we're going to get to Psalm 139, and we're going to talk for the rest of the time just about one of the things. We said God is an expert in everything. One of the things that God is an expert on. So these aren't on the screen, so I'd love for you to follow along. Psalm 139, written by David, one of the most well-known kings of Israel, did some amazing things. He killed a giant as a young boy. He was a military leader. He led Israel to uh, great heights and power as a country, but he also committed adultery and ordered someone's murder and had tons of family dysfunction. So David, who had highs and lows and everything in between, he writes this about God's knowledge. So Psalm 139, look at verse 1. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. So you know one of the things that God is an expert in? It's you. And it's me. One of the things that God knows all about is you. And these four verses, David is saying that God knows the real you. So God knows the real you. David said, God, you've searched me. You've dug deep into me and you've known me. This is a, a personal relational knowing. It's the relationship a husband and wife have. It's a knowledge that leaves us, like we read that verse in Hebrews a little bit ago, that, that leaves us completely naked in God's sight and therefore no longer belonging only to ourselves. And he says, you know the simple things of when I just sit down and when I stand up. Now, how many times do we do that in our lives? I mean, we made you do that a few times today here. But every time, like God knows the simple things. You know the paths, the decisions I make. And he said, even before I say a word, God, you already know it. Have you been in that moment where the word or the sentence is in your brain and you know you shouldn't say it? And you can like feel it like traveling down and coming out and you just can't stop it. Have you been there? Like God sees that all. God sees it all. God knows the real you. He knows all about you. He made you exactly the way you are. He's given you all the abilities, all the talents you need to do the job you need to do. He's not given you more abilities than you can use. And he hasn't shortchanged you by not giving you the abilities that you would need to have. You know, there's a lot of people... Uh, in our world that don't believe in God. And, and that's everyone's choice. That's one of the things that God gives us. He gives us the ability to choose him or not choose him to reject him. But these verses say that even though you may not believe in God, guess who believes in you? Like God believes in you because he knows you, he created you, and he knows all about you. And, you know, when I was, when I was eight years old, I made a decision to follow Jesus with my life. I trusted in him and his death and resurrection for my salvation. And God accepted me into, me into his family. He made me one of his children. But because God knows everything, it wasn't like five years later when I got to 13 years old that he looked back and he saw something. You know, he was reading about my life and he was like, oh, I missed that about James. If I would have known that he did that, like in the past, like, you know, maybe I wouldn't have let him into my family. Or some of you that maybe you decided to follow Jesus when you were 19 or 29 or 39 or 49, or maybe you haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, and you're worried about, like, can God really accept me? Because, like, does he know all the stuff I did? 
Yeah, he already knows. And since God knows everything, there's, there's nothing that can happen after our salvation, which he didn't know the day that he saved us. There's no skeletons in the closet, which he didn't know about when he offered to give us this gift of eternal life. So God knows everything about you. He knows the good, the bad, the ugly, and he says, hey, I still love you so much. I've given you the gift of my son, Jesus. And if you accept in that, no matter what's happened in the past, you're part of the family. I hope that encourages you this morning. So God knows the real you. Let's keep going here in Psalm 139. Uh, I'm going to read, start reading in verse 5. It says, You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. Here's the second thing from Psalm 139. Not only does God know the real you, but God is closer than you think. God is closer than you think. David says, God's behind me. He's in front of me. He said, I can't go anywhere to run away from God. If I go to heaven up high, he's there. If I go to Sheol, which is a word for the grave or maybe hell, if I go there, God sees me there. If I take like a bird the wings of the morning and fly away, God's still there. If I go to the uttermost, darkest, deepest part of the sea, God is there. Maybe if he says, if it's darkness, I can hide in the dark. And he says, no, because darkness and light are the same to God. God is closer than you think. This reminded me when I was in high school and my parents let me go on my very first date. Uh, it was, it was uh, someone that was getting ready to go away to college, and so we kind of knew it was the end of whatever not relationship we had. You know how it is in high school. And uh, so it was after church, and my parents had agreed I could— he didn't have my own car at the time, so I probably borrowed the parents' minivan or something, you know, and took this girl out to the restaurant, had a good time, whatever, took her home, went on with life. Well, the next couple days, my, those my brothers and sisters were, like, giggling about stuff and laughing and, like, we know where you went on your date. And I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, after church, we all got in the car with Dad, and he followed you and watched you. I'm like, what? So parents have this knack for being closer than we think, right? They just do. And I'm like, thanks, you know, that was great. So um, that's a great idea. I'm actually probably going to do that the first time my kids go out. So, um, and, you know, you, you say something, and then, like, mom walks around the corner, right? And you're like, oh, how, how did she know? You know, my mom always said, like, I've got spies everywhere, you know. Um, and, but even in, when you did something or said something you shouldn't, mom or dad seemed to be there. But I think they were also there when, as a young kid, when you fell down, you needed somebody to run to for a hug or to, you know, put the band-aid on your knee, or when you get older and you're in a tough time, you need somebody to talk to, like they were closer than you think. So God, did I skip ahead there? There we go. God is the same way. God is close, not just does he know all about you, but he knows all about you, and he's right there with you in the ups and downs of life. This past week in small group, one of the questions Pastor Dan had us ask as a group was uh, something along the lines of, when have you been at a point in life when you really knew that you needed God? Like you were at the end of yourself. There was nothing humanly, physically possible that you could do to get out of the situation that you were in. And kind of the theme as we kind of shared stories was tragedy. When a tragedy hit 
people in our group, like they knew that they really needed God. We have several in our group that lost siblings at a young age, you know, some that have battled addiction, some that right now are in job situations that are really, really hard. And, and we started kind of going down the road a little bit and say, well, what was it that, like, how did you know that you needed God in that moment? Or how did you, how did that work? And they said, well, we just really got to the point where we felt, we sensed, we knew that God was with us in the midst of tragedy. They said maybe it was a peace or comfort that he gave us that we couldn't explain. Maybe it was through other people showing up and loving on our family or encouraging us like we saw God in that. And so, you know, at that point, I wasn't that far along the message to get to here, but it made sense that in times of tragedy, God knows and has known all about it from the beginning and is working all things out for his glory and our ultimate good. So I think one of the times that we need to know that God is with us the most is when life isn't working out the way we thought it was going to. And it's hard, and, and there's tension, and we can't always explain it away. We don't always know why it's happening. But hopefully you can at least know in the times of tragedy that God is closer than you think. Just like mom or dad are there, hopefully you can believe that God is closer than you think. So God knows the real you. God is closer than you think. And God has always been at work in your life. God has always been at work in your life. I'm going to go back to Psalm 139 and start reading uh, in verse 13. It says, For you form my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. So he starts from the very beginning. David said, God, you were working in my life before I was born. Inside my mother's womb, you formed me. And then later on, he says, you saw my unformed substance. So it was almost as if God knew him before he was even formed in his mother's womb. And then he goes on, this is mind-boggling to me, and he says, God had thoughts about me. God thinks about me. God thinks about you. And not just like one thought or two thoughts or a hundred or a thousand, but it's this innumerable amount. He compares it to the sand. He said, if I could count them, it would be like the sand on the seashores and on the lake shores all around the world. An amazing concept that God thinks about you that much. Now, if you're like me, you may have a love-hate relationship with sand. You know what I'm saying? Like, we love it. Like, we, you know, last year, Curtis Amy Niffin introduced us to camping at Warren Dunes, and we've just gone back to the Warren Dunes a bunch of times this year, and we love it, and you climb up the dunes, and you go to the clay pits, and it's just fun. But that's the love part. The hate part is, is if you start climbing up the dune, you forgot your shoes, and it like burns three layers of skin off the bottom of your feet. You ever been there? You know, so hopefully, if you didn't know that, when you go climb up the dune, it's going to be hotter than you think, so bring your shoes with you, okay? But the other part that, as an organized kind of OCD person, is we're done at the beach, we're going to go home, I'm pretty sure I got all the sand off the kids. And then you get home, and they start piling out of the car, and you're like, where were you hiding all that sand? Was it like in your mouth? You're like, where did, you know, it's just inevitable. So I've relaxed a little bit that just when you know, when you go home from the beach, there's going to be a lot of sand in the car. So I have a love-hate relationship with sand. But the point is, like, sand, you can't count it. Like, it's everywhere, and God says, that's, um, 
how much that I have been at work in your life. More times than you could count, more times than we acknowledge, God said, I've been there and I've been working in your life. And, and this belief in the omniscience of God or that, that God knows all about us is the answer to our deepest insecurities, our anxieties, our fears. Look at the end of verse 18. There's kind of this sentence there that doesn't seem to fit. He finishes saying, God, you have lots of thoughts about me. They're about the sand. And then he says, I awake and I'm still with you. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, I think what it means is this. If you have anxiety or insecurities or fears about something, a lot of times if you're in that state, and we all are from various times, what's the hardest thing for us to do sometimes? It's sleep, right? It's really hard to fall asleep because we're just so worried about something. This always happens to me if there's like something big coming the next day. Like I just, takes me forever to fall asleep because my mind's racing. Or a lot of times, maybe on the other end, you can sleep, but then when you wake up in the morning, it's hard to get out of bed and go face the day because you're fearful, you're anxious about what's going to happen. And I think what David is saying is, hey, when I remember God that you've always been at work in my life, whatever fear, whatever I'm worried about, I awake and here's what's true. I'm still with you and you're still with me. And that's true. So then I can fall asleep, or then I can get out of bed and take the next step and do what God has called me to do because God has been at work in my life. God knows what is best for us both now and in the future. We can see only today while God sees what is best for us 50 years in the future. God is someone who knows all the pitfalls as well as the ways to have joy and who's offered to give us this wisdom. If we would listen to what he says, then we could avoid a lot of trouble and experience a lot more satisfaction. It makes sense to trust him with our daily walk as well as our eternal destiny. Sometimes for those of us who have grown up in church a lot, it may have been a bit easier to kind of pray this prayer and trust in God for like this eternal life that was kind of happening, you know, as a kid. I mean, that's 70 years away. Sometimes it's easier to do that than actually like every single day believe that God is with me and trust him every single day. So we can trust him not with just with eternity, but with our daily walk. So God knows the real you. God is closer than you think, and God has always been at work in your life. I wanted to wrap up our time this morning with these verses. I think that just fits with everything that we've talked about so far. That God knows everything, and one of the things he's an expert in is you. Here's what it says in Isaiah 40. It says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? So the people of Israel, a few thousand years ago, they felt like God had forgotten about them, they felt like God had ignored them, and they said, God, why can't you see us? Why can't you hear us? Why aren't you with us? That was their complaint. You ever been there? Felt like, God, where are you? And here's what Isaiah said back to them. He said, have you not known? Have you not heard? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God? We sang about that this morning. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Isaiah said, hey, God is the creator. He created everything. He holds it all together. But even though he did and he does this amazing work, he's not tired. And then he says what I think applies to what we're talking about today. His understanding, his wisdom, his knowledge is unsearchable. So because God knows everything, here's what he does for us. Here's the next verses. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Now, I don't know where you are today. You might have come in today and had an A-plus week. You might have had an F-minus. 
you might have had a C plus. More than likely, the week was kind of a mixture of all of that, right? And you might be feeling faint. You might be feeling weak. You might feel like you're going to throw the towel in on, you know, kids, marriage, church, God, work, whatever. But God says, hey, be, I'm with you. I know this all about you. And because of that, I can give you power. I can give you strength. He goes on. He says, even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. I've been watching a lot of cross country this year because uh, Connor's been running cross country and Titus and I'm going to forget some people, but uh, Alex and Jessica and uh, Christopher and a lot of people in our church are running cross country this year. So I've been watching them. And every time I watch them, I realize that I probably couldn't do what they do, right? You know, especially if the high school, Jack and Will Lehman, like they are really, really moving. But I have noticed that even though I couldn't run as fast as they can, that even they do get tired. I've watched some high school kids run across the finish line and just done. They just fall over, okay? So even though young people get tired, so everybody gets tired, physically, spiritually, emotionally, here's what he says. But they who wait for the Lord, those who trust in God, those who believe that God knows them, those who believe that God is actually with them, that he's closer than they think, that he's always been at work in your life, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, just that eagle that kind of soars over the circumstances of life. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So it's amazing that God knows everything. It is very difficult to explain it. We've just scratched the surface. But hopefully, you know, so what? So what that God knows everything? Well, hopefully you've been encouraged this morning that God knows everything about you He loves you. He has an amazing plan for your life that starts with a relationship by believing in Jesus. And he says, I want to give you strength for the journey so that you can run and not be weary. You can walk and not faint. I want to close with a video that is a song based from Psalm 139, which we read, and just give you some time to whatever you think you need to do. If you need to look at the screen, if you need to close your eyes, if you need to pray silently, pray out loud, whatever you think... um, God's been talking to you about this video. will kind of give you a chance to reflect on that. And then when we're finished, I'll come back up and uh, close us in prayer. So let's watch this together.
invite you to stand for uh, for closing prayer. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, uh, Pastor Dan's brother did pass away about a week ago, and so he's uh, in Florida right now for the funeral, so that's where he is today. So definitely remember him and Francis and his family uh, in your prayers. And uh, so I'm going to invite us to pray together, and then after that you're dismissed. But hopefully you'll know uh, as you leave here, God goes with you, God's behind you, in front of you, goes before you. Hopefully that'll encourage you and uh, just power you on your mission this week to uh, love people and point them to Jesus. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for reminding us this morning that you are with us. And I want to pray especially for Pastor Dan and Francis as their, and their family um, as they grieve the loss of his brother and help them to know that you are with them uh, through this time of sorrow and give them comfort and peace that only you can. And I pray for all of us here. I thank you for those who are here and have committed to being here and taken time out of their uh, busy lives to be here to uh, sing to you, to give to you, and to hear your word preached. And we're just asking that 
Um, we would be a little more grateful today for how amazing, how beyond our comprehension that you are, and that also we would know that you are with us um, as we go to our families and to our jobs and our community, that, that people, um, just that we weren't into, w- would know that there's something different because uh, we just have this peace and this joy and this satisfaction in spite of life circumstances that only you can give. So thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for this amazing church, the amazing people here. And uh, we just commit this morning to you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor James Solerick of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.